0: Welcome to your favourite environmental podcast, Age of Plastic. I'm Andrea Fox, and today's guest is truly going to take us on an adventure in the next 30 minutes. Now, we can all challenge ourselves to change our behaviour when it comes to single-use plastic, but I don't think all of us could take on the mammoth task that today's guest undertook at the end of 2018. On the podcast today, I'm speaking to Laura Try who took on the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Together, her British team Row for the Ocean, made up of Laura, Kirsty Barker, Kate Salmon and Rosalind West, rode, get this, 3,000 miles across the Atlantic to raise awareness of ocean plastic pollution for charity Surfers Against Sewage. And they became the first all-female crew to reach the finish line of the race. In the words of the Spice Girls, quite literally, girl power. If you were wondering how long it takes to row 3,000 miles, normally takes around 30 to 90 days to complete. In our chat, we talked about living with less, both on land and on a boat, what it takes to cross an ocean, and readjusting to modern life after the adventure. Now, Laura Try had posted some serious pictures of her skin on her hands after the row, so I started our chat by asking... Have your hands
1: recovered yet? Um, actually, not quite. I was sitting having lunch before we met, and then I realised I was still picking lumps of skin <laughs> off, which isn't very sociable, I must say. That's but they, all... they are getting better. They look fine to me. Is it just when they go back in water, they're like, oh, I remember this. Yeah, once I get out of the shower, and then my hands do exactly that. Oh, okay, this is happening again. <laughs> they looked they looked awful when I finished oh I
0: bet and I bet you were exhausted but congratulations and just to flag for people how
1: exactly how many days were you rowing 43 days wow two hours 20 minutes
0: (laughs) I was gonna say it's a bit like whenever someone's run a marathon if you've done something like
1: that you know it down to the hour and minute don't you yeah I'm surprised we didn't even clock the seconds to be honest (laughs) yeah so let's call it 43 days yeah
0: which is amazing and did you come 10th
1: Yes, we were tenth. It was uh, we just about pulled through. We was about one and a half hours before eleventh place, so we were thrilled to get tenth place out of twenty eight boats. I just
0: think it's it's such a mammoth task, obviously, and you were rowing pretty much constantly for that time across Christmas and New Year, when all the rest of us are at home eating mince pies and doing nothing.
1: That's right. We left on the twelfth of December from Spain, and from that very day. We rode non-stop, two hours on, two hours off, all through Christmas, all through New Year, all the way through, nearly to the end of January. And even saying it, I can't believe that we did that. I can't believe that that. I can't believe that I did that. And I've been back for about three and a half weeks, and it actually doesn't feel like me. It feels like a dream. Really? Yeah. It. It. It's really hard to be now back in the modern world, and then to actually think four weeks ago I was out in the middle of the Atlantic rowing non-stop it's just crazy it must be I hadn't really thought of that but it's
0: so different isn't it to modern world and phones and all this kind of stuff that you were just complete completely
1: away from when you were in the middle of the ocean completely completely separated from the modern world on the boat you have got a bit of modern day equipment like a chart plotter, and you've got an autopilot um but in the grand scheme of things, not very much. You have got a sat phone, but we was all very much of the basis, look, we're going to take ourselves out on this adventure. We don't really want to be texting, emailing, calling. We don't want our families to be crying down the phone to us, saying that they're going to miss us. We don't want to do that back. We really want to throw ourselves into this adventure and immerse ourselves in it. And so we didn't really have a lot to think about, not very many belongings on the boat. Just one simple task, and that was to row across the ocean and actually no matter how tired we were or how miserable it was, there was such beauty in, in the simple life. I bet, yeah. Well, you must have seen some amazing things out there. Yeah, we did, actually. We... um the, Actually, the reason I laughed is because the first thing that comes to mind is something that looked like a washing machine. It definitely wasn't a washing machine, and I shouldn't laugh, especially given the subject of this podcast, <laughs> but... um a slight change of subject. Lots and lots of rubbish. But yeah,
0: I was going to say you obviously were, you were rowing across the ocean for surface against sewage. So tell me that the the ocean is clean. We're done. It's beautiful out there, right?
1: Well, it is beautiful. Uh, when we looked out, we just saw miles and miles and miles of gorgeous emerald blue ocean. But every now and again, we'd see this piece of floating plastic, and then we would wonder. Okay, we can see it on the surface. We wonder actually what's it floating underneath what's all the way at the bottom but coming back to your to your original question there was also a lot of beauty there was whales we saw a turtle we was followed by dolphins all the time oh wow seabirds um yellowfish, tuna we saw so much nature but on the flip side we saw probably more rubbish
0: really yeah than than actual life out there yeah which is amazing because if you haven't had a look on your Instagram, like it's just so beautiful. Some of the videos where you had to clean the boat from in the water yep. and I was like, look at that beautiful sea. So it's kind of depressing that you're seeing floating plastic out there as well.
1: Yeah, normally when we would train in Exeter, um, where the majority of the team are based, we would go out of the Exmouth coast and uh, if we saw plastic, we would always turn the boat around. Much like if you were to go lit picking on land or... Plogging, uh, litter, oh, yeah. litter picking whilst, yes, whilst jogging. jogging. Mm. yeah. But we was in a £70,000 ocean rowing boat and trying to turn that thing uh, in the sea is quite difficult. So sometimes we'd see a piece of plastic five metres away and it'd take us about 15 minutes to go get it. But that was in Exeter. We definitely couldn't do that across the Atlantic. It was far too choppy. would still be there, probably. We'd <laughs> still be trying to pick up this tiny little piece of polystyrene, I'm sure. Mm. Um, so it was sad to row past it and not be able to pick it up, even though... Probably it was about 5 or 10 metres away.
0: Yeah, and it's clearly something that you were really passionate about before you got on the boat, and the kind of thing you would do, like you say, if you're walking around. So what's the kind of annoying things that you see when it comes to our single-use plastic? Was it like when when you were out on the boats, I suppose, seeing lots
1: in the water? I think it comes down to water bottles for me. Even before this hype, I hate to think that plastic was ever a hype or a trend, but... Uh, I'm going to put it in that bracket at the minute. Even before that, people drinking water out of a water bottle, it blows my mind. Like, guys, just get a bottle that you keep forever and you just fill it up from the tap. We are given this wonderful advantage of being able to run a tap and have water come out of it. And there's so many people in the world that don't have that. Mm. And yet we go and we spend one pound on a bottle of water. It's not about the money, though. It's about that bottle. Yeah. And people just straight away. Like it, it it. For me, it just does not make any sense. Yeah, totally. And I know that
0: you had to be incredibly fit to do this. Like, this, this is another level of, like, of effort. So you were in the gym a lot. And I think sometimes the gym is one of those places where you see a lot of waste as well. Like, who needs a water, like one of those plastic water things
1: with plastic glasses next to it. Oh, I know. that, that That's worse, isn't it? The little tiny cups where you can fit about 25ml of water and then uh, they go to drink it and then they throw it away. And exactly. Then they go and they're like, wow, what are you doing? It's crazy. Um,
0: so you were basically not able to collect plastic whilst you were out in the ocean because you were basically rowing for two hours on, two hours off. wasn't even washing your hair quite difficult.
1: Yeah, it was actually so. Over the f- course of forty-three days, I had a total of three body washes. I worked that out. At, that was one every two, two weeks. So I can't even, can't even believe I'm saying that actually. But at the time, it, you just it's not even on the radar. It's completely not important. It's not. It doesn't make your boat go faster being clean. We were in it to win it. To to spread the message about reducing single-use plastic, and so. Washing the body took about 15, 20 minutes. Washing the hair took about 15 minutes. You haven't got that kind of time in your two hours off. You need to be resting, recuperating, eating, boat maintenance. And so you just kind of, you just exist. And yeah, you you don't wash. It's quite funny, really, the um, pictures and videos. Oh, funny. I look like Madame Tussaud's waxwork because my hair is so full of cream. <laughs> yeah, sun cream because it's just, yeah, all the elements right there.
0: Yeah. No shade in the middle of the Atlantic. Zero shade. So what, it is relentless. What was it like, just the four of you? You must have had to be great mates by the end
1: of it if you weren't at the start. Well, in, interesting you say that, actually, because I was invited into the team in April and we we set sail, let's say Uh, in December and the girls live in Exeter I lived in the Midlands and so we would meet up every two weeks and do our training. We were friends uh, but definitely not not friends in the sense that we knew everything about each other we didn't really know what annoyed someone we didn't really know how the others would act when we were all tired and so effectively I got on the boat with three strangers Um. And then you think to yourself, in that tiny little space, 8.6 metres by 1.5. (laughs) Wow, That is, yes. Uh, We're uh, in a bigger studio right now, aren't we? This studio is bigger (laughs) than our boat. Wow. Um, How are you going to get on? And then lots of people say, did you fall out? Did you argue? Did you this? Did you that? But the thing is, I think the adventure mindset, when you're put in that adventure environment... You've got no choice but to get on with your teammates and get the job done. Like falling out, having an argument, throwing a tantrum, it's not going to get the goal done and it's certainly going to use up a lot of emotional energy. Yeah, now, yeah. I'm not saying we were all best mates and just having the best time always. There was friction, but we always managed to, to clear the air, get the job done, and when we finished, we were just like the strongest team we just felt amazing we felt as though as four women we could conquer the world oh my gosh Mm. that just sounds so amazing yeah it was (laughs) it really it was the finishing the race (gasps) was the best moment of my entire life um just rowing into antigua like come on you're rowing into the caribbean 43 days, 3,000 miles from Spain. You get in all the super yachts, which are effectively like mini cruise ships, are sounding their horns. All the staff of the yachts are there. You've got media. Everyone's just going crazy, sailboats. And it is just, wow, we've done it. We've worked hard for two years and and we've done it. And from those 43
0: days without anyone else, then all your family and stuff are there. And that must have been quite a lot to to take on
1: yeah like, family are standing by the finish line everyone's crying you step off the boat and you can barely stand up because you've lost your land legs everyone's hugging you everyone wants your picture the media whisk you away it's just stimulation sensory stimulation overload and um, there's just hormones that are just pumping out of my body that I never knew existed I was on high for about five days after
0: i hadn't even thought about sea legs of course you're not going to have your sea legs did it take you a while to get used to being on dry land
1: it took properly about an hour to be able to walk before that it was we actually looked like we were drunk you know when you step over your feet and your feet cross over and all your feet are limp um trying to run was quite funny uh it just like a child really trying to run. And then as soon as you thought you'd got it, if you got tired or sat down for too long, you'd stand up and then... And then you'd (laughs) kind of wobble around. Um, And then... Funny in the night as well. If you if I had to get up to go to the toilet, I would get up and basically just sway across the room because my conscious mind hadn't grasped the, the fact that I was on land. So I would just fall across the room to the bathroom. It was really funny.
0: So, so amazing. Mm, it's so cool, actually. I just yeah, and it's so so funny as well that you're um, that all, because it's so different to being back here. It almost feels like another you, like another time.
1: Completely. Yeah. Completely.
0: So I was looking through cuz you were really good before you set off with Instagramming, you know, training and everything you took with you. And there was a lot of like food that you needed to take cuz you were burning
1: 8000 calories a day, was it? Yeah, I think that's the the rumor. It's never really been proven. But let's go let's go 5 to 6000. Okay. I think that's
0: a bit more realistic. Okay. And there was a lot of like packets and things. And I thought, I wonder, because obviously you're doing this for surface Against Sewage, was it quite hard to find like
1: environmentally friendly ways to even
0: do this kind of task?
1: Really difficult. And I'm pleased that you brought that up because um, a lot of people, you know, there's always those kind of people that, would go onto our Instagram and almost kind of hate on us. Like, if you were really serious about reducing plastic, you wouldn't be doing this. And then they would pick up on a, on a little plastic bag in the back. And the realistics of it was is that the team and I did it and we we wanted to make a conscious effort to take part in a huge adventure and also try and not take very much plastic. But come on, we live in this modern day and we're going to row an ocean. We can't take things in paper bags. Um, we tried where we could. To take as little plastic as we could. The food packets for these kind of challenges. It's near on impossible to find stuff that's recyclable. Because effectively. F- effectively it would just break down. In the seawater. But we were good. When we got back. We packaged it all up properly. So then it could be taken and disposed of, disposed of correctly. But. It's so scary. I was thinking about it. On the six weeks that four women took to row across the Atlantic, we probably had less plastic waste than we would do if we was on land. Whoa! Yeah, I was thinking about it. Like, we were just eating four packets of food a day and a few snacks. We wasn't really using any... Well, we definitely wasn't using laundry powder, dishwasher tablets, um, toiletries, hairsprays. Uh, We wasn't buying... Meal packs, snacking no milk at bottles, petrol stations, no exactly plastic straws. So Gosh. I think we used less plastic rowing the Atlantic than we would have done in real life. Yeah, and amazing that
0: with your ethos to raise awareness about ocean plastic and single use plastic and raise money for Surfers Against Sewage. You made sure you disposed of all of that single use plastic correctly. Whereas I'm sure the people at home moaning about a plastic bag in the background (laughs) probably, you know, like it's a product that we have in our lives. We're going to come across it. You're going to, someone's going to give you a drink in a bar and there's going to be a straw in it and you're going to go, oh, didn't get there in time to tell them, no, no, I don't need a straw yeah I hate that I hate that sort of attitude of social media, yeah really looking in the background at the plastic bits just I'm just here to criticize,
1: yeah, and we really did you know we really do try our hardest,
0: yeah, and you've got this amazing experience out of it, you know those people were sitting at home, you know, probably I don't know, like I just think what you're doing at home, like online shopping or something <laughs> like that, yeah Um, because I think life is it's not just about like reducing your single use plastic it's about taking a little look at Everything that you have in your life.
1: Yeah, I'm pleased that you brought that up, actually, because it links quite nicely back into the challenge about looking at everything that we have in our life. And that's definitely something that I know I've done since returning back. When rowing across the Atlantic, I, towards the end, I literally wore four, four items. It was either leggings or shorts, depending on if it was cold or hot. And then I had a UV top or I had a fleece depending on if it was sunny or cold and then getting back and I open my wardrobe and there's just lines of clothes and then lines of shoes and which earrings should I wear and which scarves and it's like when I was rowing I was just wearing four things and I didn't even think it's like oh yeah raining great rain jacket um actually there was about six because there was the rain jacket and then there was a hat But
0: only six items. I think I'm carrying six items with me today. Yeah. That is an amazing thing. I wouldn't have even considered, like, crossed my mind that you would have come back and thought, oh, wow, I dealt with so little when I was on the boat.
1: Oh, it was an absolute dream. And sometimes you'd look out and go, ah, fairly nice weather. Won't put any clothes on then. And you just go out and you don't even have to think. And there was no mirror and we didn't look at our hair and we didn't wear any makeup. Um, and it was it was just beautiful. Did you feel I, quite free? Completely free, in every sense, physically, naked, row <laughs> naked, and just headspace-wise. That's why I do my adventures, because I am very energetic, busy-brained, motivated, determined person in this modern world, but I actually do struggle quite a lot, because I find that all of these materials and these kind of ways in which we've built this world i find them really difficult to 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 cope with and so when i go and do these adventures i feel i feel human and actually that's what my body was brought on this earth for to survive to stay hydrated to eat to sleep and actually to thrive within its environment that's amazing
0: i have to go along with that like i don't necessarily think we've made the world a happier place for all these things we've brought into it like single-use plastic and all this convenient stuff when the real experiences are what you've experienced being out there with six items of clothing and three other people mm. in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, with the whales that swam
1: with <gasps> Did us. you see any whales? Yeah, we saw, I think it was a mother and baby. That was the first experience. Mm. And we pretty much almost broke down and cried just because it, the, the they were swimming next to us. And they were bigger than our boat. But just so graceful mm. so silent so content just swimming in their home and we were there to visit and then a few hours later they'd obviously gone to tell their friends because more showed up and then they just swam with us and it was just amazing Oh wow. like just a beautiful world we live in and uh, a gorgeous experience that we went through. Yeah. And it, bef-
0: before anyone's like, oh, I want to do that now. Uh, it's, in April you started training. In December
1: you went away, right? Well, I'd been training for the challenge for two years. I think the girls had two. And I always knew that I wanted to take part, but I wasn't sure how. So I put a video out on social media that I wanted to do it, started training. And then fortunately someone approached me. Most crews would train for around two years to be capable of of doing it but more so than the training it's the fundraising buying the boat getting the equipment knowing how the boat works Mm. um I have this belief that really anyone could row across the Atlantic tomorrow like you for example you get in the boat you could do it it's whether you would want to do it (laughs) I would want to do it I definitely couldn't do it I snoozed
0: my alarm before the gym this morning (laughs) so yeah, no, I didn't you, I saw you on your Instagram, didn't you fall asleep in your gym gear last night, so oh, you had to be up at five. You're good, Sorry,
1: you've been watching, do you know, I'm I'm so ranked sometimes, I just think, right, I've got to be up early tomorrow, I know that I'm not going to want to get up, so I just go to sleep in my gym gear, and then when I get up, I'm like, oh, glass of water, quickly brush my teeth, trainers on, like, you have no excuses, Laura, you've got your gym kit on, Go. Oh no. I'm gonna start sleeping in my gym kit now, aren't I? Yeah, do it. <laughs> I put it on Facebook once. Everyone was like, Yeah, I do that. It's a really good idea.
0: There you go. That's how you swim across the Atlantic, guys. Uh by a- leaping in your gym kit or you could row oh yeah sorry (laughs) what did I say swim yeah yeah oh you could row across the Atlantic I mean um so when you came home to your like wardrobes full of stuff have you now like started clearing stuff out have you got a bit Mary Kondo about things
1: um I'm already a bit of a minimalist in training I'm always going to have that hyphen after the word minimalist because I do really enjoy things and colour um definitely not I haven't got very many things in my life anymore. I, I used to have tons. And really? then when I was about 30, I had a huge clear out. I had this huge eureka moment and just sold everything. Mm. Um, really went to town. Probably a little bit too much. So now I have I pretty much don't buy anything anymore. So there's not really very many things I can throw out. But when I got back, I did do a bag to the charity shop. And um, because I've come home with quite a lot of new kit. Then I had some old stuff that had holes in. And like sometimes I wear stuff that's so old it's got holes in. Uh, and it's like, because I just can't bear to throw it away. Yeah. But I just said, Laura, it's ready to go. And I, I threw it away. Yeah.
0: You say, th- what is it, the merry condo? <laughs> say thank you for sparking joy and let it go. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so you've teamed up with, um, for the race, with Surfers Against Sewage. Was that like something that's always been
1: quite close to your heart? Definitely for me, working with charities that support an environmental aspect was really important. When I was invited onto the team and found out that the girls were doing the challenge for single-use plastic and Surfers yeah. Against Sewage, I just said, I'm in. Like, I, already, I already wanted to row across the Atlantic, but when I heard the reason why, I just knew that I would be in. I've always been environmentally conscious Mm. even like I said earlier on even before the trend let's call it was in uh, ever since I was a teenager just trying not to throw away too much rubbish Mm. because I always kind of knew in my head where was where is this going there's not infinite amount of space that we can put all of this stuff and as the population forever increases and our consumption increases where is it all going it's just... Um, and I also have always eaten healthily. So to be able to buy fruit and veg from a local market, things like that, if I can help local traders and not have a lot of packaging and help the environment and keep myself healthy, it's kind of all-encompassing for me. Yeah, I totally go along with that. We have had... um Guest on
0: the podcast who made a film called Plastic Ocean, and she's like, "There's no way." Like David Attenborough said it as well. There's is no way for all of this stuff. And you've been out there and seen it. So yeah. there you go. You don't need stuff in your life. It's experiences are what it's about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely less materials and more experiences. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic because the adventure world, uh, marketing, commercialism. There's so many items that the adventure world tells you you need um like the spork and the duck down jacket and the this and the that and it's so ironic because actually the adventure isn't about what you're wearing and what you've got in your backpack and how expensive your backpack is and what brand of trainers are you wearing it's about just putting on what you've got and just going out and experiencing the fresh air and mother nature for exactly what it is and yes you've got to stay hydrated to take a water bottle and yes you've got to eat so maybe just chuck a spoon in your pack but you don't need all of the stuff that we're told that we need Mm -hmm. and as an ex-shopaholic I just don't look anymore because uh, if I look, it makes hormones come out uh, and makes my fingers start tapping on the internet. So it's just, I always try and stick by that rule is if you don't need it, don't buy it. Yeah,
0: I have to say, you do look amazing today, but I'm surprised to see you not in gym gear. I've seen all these photos of you in, you know, your rowing gear. I sort of just expected you in my head to turn up in rowing gear.
1: How stupid is that? I'm always in gym gear and that too is really old as well. Some of that's got holes in, but I thought I'd make an effort today. Dress, Thanks. little bit of makeup. Thanks so
0: much, Laura. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so you did mention adventures and challenges. You've been doing lots. So, Laura, try. Where's your next adventure taking you? Well, this would be the first
1: time that I've told people on the should we call it the interweb? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, the, the, inter, the, the interweb. The interweb. Telling people that I would love to row across the Pacific. Yeah. So that would, I would love that to be next year. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I'm not sure if I can make it happen. It's just a little something that I've got in my head. Someone said to me, ah, uh, there's an opportunity to row across the Pacific next year. So automatically I go, right, great. When I'm in, um, I'd love to do that. And that that's really as far as I've got. I love how you're not sick of rowing. <laughs> yeah. The ironic thing is I don't like rowing. Really? Yeah, I I never, I'm I'm not a rower. It's really important for me to say, actually, for your listeners, I'm not a rower, Uh, never will be, never have been, never will be, don't particularly enjoy it, cannot bear being on a rowing machine. I'm actually a runner, but for some reason, ocean rowing is different. I wouldn't classify it as rowing. Uh, There's much more to it than the rowing. Uh, It's the beauty that I get when I'm out there in the middle of the sea completely completely different to anything that I could ever experience anywhere else mm. so for someone that doesn't like rowing I'm not doing
0: too bad can't compare must be un- unbeatable that being out on the ocean versus being on the rowing machine
1: yeah maybe I should be reborn a sailor or something
0: <laughs> with your sea legs <laughs> yeah with my sea
1: legs yeah um so Laura
0: we always ask um our guess two important questions when they come on the podcast one is to prove that we are lovers not haters. What is your favourite plastic item? My
1: favourite plastic item is my plastic Camelback water bottle. Simple blue plastic. It's got a plastic lid with a rubber drinking valve. It's one litre. It's got a little hook on and... um, I actually left mine on the boat. I was going to say, is this the one that you took with you? Yeah, I left it on the boat. And actually, thank goodness, because it is a bit mouldy now. And I do need to buy a new one. I buy a new one about every nine months. And I always feel guilty. I think maybe I ought to go aluminium or metal. Truth is, is they're too heavy, too clunky. I don't like a lid that I have to take off. It's not great for my adventures. Not good for sport, I suppose. Not good for sport. So my plastic um, Camelback water bottle is... It's my life. I love it.
0: I kind of, I'm wondering where that one is now. I hope someone put it in the recycling when they took
1: it off the I boat. Hope so. It's so mouldy. It's disgusting. Was it like salt damaged? Yeah, everything gets salt damaged. Your wires, like your iPhone wires, everything corrodes. Everything goes damp and mouldy. It's really grim. Lovely mental image there of the boat yeah. now. Mmm. You're like yeah definitely
0: row across the Atlantic It's an amazing experience And I'm
1: like "Mm, maybe not Yeah well these are all the things that no one told me Everything will basically corrode or go (laughs) mouldy We found out the hard way Really? Do you feel like
0: um, you were just so focused on it That you didn't really think about those kind of aspects Of like
1: oh yeah my stuff's going to get covered in salty water Yeah I mean I suppose we knew everything was going to get salty But as for the mouldy aspect Hadn't really thought that far ahead If
0: anyone's painting a visual image of this, you've got loads on your Instagram of the inside of the boat and all that kind
1: of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be putting videos and pictures up for the next few weeks. Um, So definitely people can go and watch those videos Mm. to really get an insight, maybe into the size of the boat or the conditions that we were living in, Um, see some of the highs, the lows, Mm. what it looked like outside the boat as well. Really incredible. Yeah. Um,
0: And one final question. Uh, Your environmental hero, please, Laura.
1: My environmental hero is Lizzie Carr. She is Lizzie outside of plastic, plastic Patrol. She was invited out to the start of the race, the Telesco Girl Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. She was there to help us, our team, Row for the Ocean, publicise our message. And actually, I'd been following Lizzie for quite a few years on Instagram. So to meet her in person, it was kind of, go cry. I'm <laughs> a oh, fan girl. Like, play it cool or I play it cool. Like, hi, Lizzie. I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> and then we became friends, and uh, she was flown out to Antigua to meet us at the finish line. And we were hanging out, we were going for walks. And then I asked her about how Plastic Patrol started. And she told me the whole story. And from that moment, I just thought, you're my absolute hero. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, I'd really love to get her on the podcast. Um, yeah. If you're listening, Lizzie. Lizzie, Um, come on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for coming on the Age of Plastic podcast. Thank you so much. Laura Try there, who took on and completed the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. I know I definitely couldn't. She's such an adventure junkie. She's such a lovely, energetic person. I really love chatting to Laura. Now, if you want to follow her on social media to keep up with her next challenge, head online and search for Laura Try UK on Twitter instagram and the like you can find out more about her and the team's atlantic row and donate to their charities that they supported just head to rowfortheocean.co.uk i'll be back with more for you in two weeks keep in touch with your zero waste tips in the meantime head to age of plastic podcast on instagram or my website iamandreafox.co.uk i'm off to the gym now i'm going to play that fish game on the rowing machine for four minutes i'll see you later